I'm going to try something really quick. I saw someone do on a podcast once. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, it sounds like I know what I'm doing, which I like about the clap. Um, (laughs) Yeah, how are you? I'm doing good. I have really found my rhythm here in Japan and just really love it. We won our first game. First game, like, ever. The whole year. Yeah, sick. we just have like a very young, completely like new team, basically, and a lot of inexperience, but we're finding, we had a lot of players hurt in the beginning too. So mm. I was playing opposite and outside and all these things. And at the same time, like, yeah, actually, <laughs> um, but it's been so fun to watch them grow and like get better and stuff. So our first win was like, the best feeling ever which is like for sure crazy because i've played in like so many high level games with like a lot of emotions and that Mm. was like honestly comparable (laughs) really yeah it was i mean you just want it so bad for the girls um i just like really love them so all right you you know what i gotta i gotta interrupt you for a second just from like the tone of your voice what is like what's the big difference between playing in japan and like going in italy yeah well because you're describing it like you're like also kind of the coach and also i mean obviously like you're their star player like there's you know but like i'm so curious what is there like a huge difference in level like what's it like honestly for like the teams in like first second third fourth fifth whatever like the higher level teams um it's good volleyball. The what I'm referring to, why it sounds like I am kind of like part, a coach too, which I do a lot of coaching and stuff, is because like I'm not kidding. There's like eight or nine, 18 year olds. Wow. So like I'm I'm like 11 years older than these girls, <laughs> and so like I'm truly like I'm teaching. Are you're what 30. I know. I'm gonna be 30 in June. Oh my God. Thank you. Hey, I'm gonna be 30 <laughs> in March. I feel you. Yeah. So. It's it's been just a totally new experience because I haven't had to do that. And it's really provided a lot of joy. But I think in Italy, in Turkey, in Europe, you just have a more physical game. And here the it's defense. Like rallies, I'm not kidding, are like two minutes mm. because the ball just doesn't drop. And I I always think like the only way to get a kill is to like hit it blast off their hands because then they can't play defense Hmm. so that's been my mindset i'm I'm so curious like what's the big difference between obviously when you go to japan i'm guessing you're hitting like a thousand balls and you're their star (laughs) player like what's the big difference between that and like playing on the national team like those roles like the mindset for those roles is just like completely different i feel like yeah totally uh it's it's pushed me because i if to explain what I do, I am a passing outside. So I basically get hired because of my skill in ball control, passing defense. So it's not that I can't score or that I'm not physical enough. It's just that that's where I like 
contribute like a majority to sure. the game, basically. So also, please, is- you have a fucking hammer. So let's not <laughs> pretend like you can't swing at the ball, anyways. Yeah, I can swing at the ball, but that's what I feel like it's pushed me because I haven't had to take like I'm taking sixty to seventy swings a game in years. I haven't had to do that, and I'm right. like, I'm loving it. I feel like I'm like challenging myself to hit a different angle every time and mixing in shots and just being smart where like before sometimes I get maybe one set in like two full rotations. And so mm. I would just smash as hard as I could. Cause I was like, this is, this is the only ball I'm getting. Yeah. So I don't know. It's been really, really fun. And I feel like it's what I needed after a long time. Um, kind of going the other way yeah uh also i'm just like super curious how are you holding up physically because that's that's a problem we see a lot right (laughs) is like you're taking 70 swings and you're used to just being like the passing outside yeah well i will say that the beginning of the season the first like three months two and a half months my knees were killing me like because we play on wood floors here and not terraflex mm. and so that has genuinely like destroyed my knees <laughs> um, Interesting. yeah but i got some hyaluronic acid injections right is that what it right i don't know what it, <laughs> what is that no it's like hyaluronic yeah it's know, steroids like, no it's not don't it's worry. Nice. No one's going to find out. We're t- you're taking steroids. I'll tell all my friends. You don't worry about it. I'm sure it's not a big deal. Okay. Incorrect, <laughs> oh, but... What is that? <laughs> Hydraulic acid. That sounds like something that's so, in like... Hyaluronic. Hyaluronic. Everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Then that's a definite. <laughs> anyway. Then I don't know. <laughs> I got that, those injected and now I, I feel great like which is really really nice to be able to like jump and land that's a good feeling yeah I mean like <laughs> what what's your what's your training schedule are you guys because notoriously I've heard it's like double days every day is that not your situation well in season in like off weeks yes but in season because we play two games in a week or, um, sorry, back to back. So we play Saturday, Sunday. Um, it's kind of difficult to do doubles all the time. Um, so it's really not that bad. We only have one double, but the difference is, is we go longer. So like my day will be usually from like eight to like two. That's just like with video rehab training. So like eight to two is like my so you you have like a rehab weight session practice cool down video kind of scenario. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything's just like in one like sitting basically. Nice. Do you like that? Yeah, which I, I love it. Yeah. I love that this is my time at the gym. This is when I'm focused and then I come home and like decompress instead of that like okay, eat real quick, try to close my eyes and then go back to the gym mm. for the second session. What do you but do? Our, what do you mean? What do you do when you come home? What are you, what are you doing from two o'clock till I don't know what time you go to bed? Eleven. Uh, well, so that's the other thing in Japan. Everything's in the morning, like all the games. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Wow, is that nice? Yeah. It's so so nice. That reminds Except me of like, like, like 10, then I'm like, mm, it's like, oil, like I need a little oil in my joints to like get going at ten. Ah, okay. Because I was thinking but, of that brought me straight to like 
when I was a kid playing soccer and you'd have like soccer games at like eight in the morning or nine in the morning yeah. and then you'd finish yeah. and it'd still feel like a morning and you could go like get coffee and I wasn't oh, drinking coffee at nine slamming donuts, but you know, <laughs> it's great. I actually, I really love it. I've been like very, very happy here. What I do in my off time. Um, well, I'm starting a clothing, um, not a line per se, but like a collection. So I've been like all my time and energy has been into that. Um, when my husband was here, Brian, he, we were exploring like every day off that we could. And then I'm also currently doing in a thousand piece puzzle that I'm slaying. A thousand piece puzzle. Yeah. First of all, wait, let's not, let's, I probably should have introed this a little better. Uh, for those who don't know, Kelsey and I have an amazing relationship. She's also married to one of my best friends. Both of you are like my best friends. I can't believe I missed the wedding. I'll never, I'll never forgive myself for not going. Um, but yeah, we have an amazing relationship. I'm so stoked for you guys. And I'm so, the reason I think you and I got along so well, so early is because you're so much more than a volleyball player. And that's, I think to me, and that's why, like, I'm so excited to dive into some of the things that you do outside of it, because to me, those are so much more of who you are than just like a girl who balls, has a hammer and passes and like can play anywhere in the world she wants, basically, you know, even though volleyball is obviously a huge part of your life. Like to me, I just see you so much more as like a friend who has so many interests and is so generally curious about life. And that's what I love about you. And that's probably a better way to start the podcast for the future is to tell one thing that I love about the person I'm interviewing. So there it is. <laughs> I can help you with that process, but I will say that as I'm like, kind of like getting older, I guess, and like more confident in myself, I feel like the biggest compliment anyone can give me is to say that like, you're so much more than a volleyball player, because that's like all I feel like I've wanted to pursue and like showcase. Hmm. What do you mean exactly by that? Well, I feel like when we're growing up and especially in sport, it's like tunnel vision a little bit, like do the A, B and C to get to like this goal. Mm. And a lot of times that doesn't include like any extra, any outside activities, any passions or hobbies. And at least for me and my career um, in sport, it's always been, sport comes first sport is everything like you can have this when you achieve this and can we talk that was just very- just to bring this like full circle i really do want to talk about your like and this is maybe not the best way to describe it but the way you've described to me your like nazi volleyball regime that you had as a kid where you were playing like didn't you go to like volleyball school or something like what's your story for becoming a volleyball player yeah. So Cause I, I think that plays from, a big, I think it plays a big role into yeah. who you are now, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I come from a huge sports family, like growing up, that's all I knew. Um, my cousins, my sister, my parents, everybody played some type of sport in college or et cetera. And so sport was just like a natural thing for me. I started off playing basketball and that was what I wanted to pursue. I wanted to play in the WNBA and like go to college for it. And I started cross training, um, with volleyball, uh, to get better at basketball, to learn different movements for my body and stuff. And, hmm. um, I ended up just falling in love with the sport. Um, I, what age? Sport. um I think it was when I was like 15, hmm. I had to pick 
between basketball and volleyball. And I ended up choosing volleyball because I just felt like I had more room to grow almost like I didn't know the sport fully and I had a lot of potential and I just really loved the team dynamic. And I, I wanted to be around that. Um, but I played for sports performance and I know that people have their ideas of sports performance. I have no idea what it is. What is it? (laughs) It's just a very intense club to play for, um, in the Midwest in Chicago, but I, it's modeled basically after the Japanese culture. And so there are a lot of rules, a lot of tra- like training was like three to three to nine every day. Like not that you train that long, but you'd get there and then wouldn't leave the gym until like nine. Um, and then like weekends for, for playing, I'd get up at like four because I'd have to go to the gym and prepare the courts, like scrub, like clean, get the, get everything ready for the tournaments. There were different rules, like no makeup, no nail polish, uh, wow. different eating things you had to do. Yeah. Um, everybody looked the same, everything like lined up perfectly. It just like, honestly, I know that now when I say those things, people are really like shocked, but it taught me so much. And I think it, it was just, it was hard, but it was, for me, it was worth it. And it taught me like discipline. It taught me hard work. It taught me like how to achieve things. And obviously a ton, a ton, a ton of reps of volleyball. Um, which I really needed. And I know it's not for everybody. And I know that it's shaped a lot of like who I am today. In what Um, way? I think not only with my ability to put my head down and work, I think that's something that I do really well Mm -hmm. in difficult situations. Um, Like I don't give up. And when things are hard, I like I navigate it. And, but I do think, the reverse of that is because my life was so tunnel vision, volleyball and like be great and disciplined and strict. I did kind of rebel against that. And I think that's why I'm successful, honestly, because mm-hmm. I didn't just keep down that path, but I always had this like side of me that was like a rebellious to it. Did you, did well. you have the same structure uh, that you did in this, Japanese system, let's say, as you did at home, was it similar? Were you? Did you come from like a pretty strict upbringing? Uh, no, I my parent with the volleyball. My parents sat me down. It was never forced. They always said, "If you want to do this, we'll support you." If that's like, but you you choose it. And I, I mean, I came from a Midwest family. I feel like your general rules. Mine probably were a little bit tougher than others, but not, never like s- super strict, I would say. Mm. Um, I think in my parents' eyes, I just had like, I had a scholarship. I had, you know, I had places to go and be somebody. And so sure. they just kind of to protect me a little bit, but sure. it was never like, I would never call it strict. Um, just a very, like my mom is Catholic. I was raised, I went to a Catholic school until I was 18. So between the volleyball and then the Catholic school. And then I get to college and I was like, Oh, I can make choices for myself. (laughs) What is this like? (laughs) Well, I can definitely, I feel like I relate to that a lot. I mean, I did not have the same volleyball structure, but I also grew up in a very Christian home. And, uh, I think for me, like it had me 
questioning a lot of things. It made it like definitely developed my curious personality because I started questioning things at a very early age. Um, but especially right the same thing, like right when I got into college, it was like, oh, well, I can like create my own life and ask questions and be curious and come, come with my own understandings. And it's so clear yeah. to me that like, that's how you, it seems like that's how you've evolved into the things you're doing now. It's actually super interesting to hear you say that, uh, you feel like that discipline helped you so much now that you have this like free thinking side of you and you have this part of you that also knows how to get shit done and you're really disciplined. And I love that. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you take that? Okay. This is maybe, I'm just going to say it like, let's say, well, for sure. Let's say you have a kid one day. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Get into that age. You want to have a kid one day, maybe. Uh, how do you raise it? Do you like, where do you find the balance based on like your upbringing? Where do you find the balance in allowing them to make mistakes and to do what they want and just trying to support them in whatever direction they go and also providing like some sort of discipline. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when I got to college and then obviously pro and those kind of things, I had a lot of questions and I had a lot of things that were instilled in, in me that I didn't feel were right. Um, kind of just based off of my, I had a lot of like preconceived notions or like judgments that weren't necessarily mine. They were just what I had been taught was wrong. Mm. But in my reality, I just felt like maybe it's not, you know? And so I think when it comes to raising kids, I, I know that I'm going to make a million mistakes, but all I want more than anything is for my child to be kind. Like, I don't care if they're successful or whatever. I just, I really want them to be kind. And so like really be empathetic to the people around them and know that everyone's going through things and just to be like open-minded and those kind of things. And then I would be like stoked in whoever they are. But I think as far as like raising them and those kind of things, like, maybe marry your your compliment because Brian is like my true compliment to my like get shit done discipline mm. like anxiety girl if I don't have control like he is my balance and so he just brings that easiness and that like free spirit kind Dude, of attitude towards things I feel like with Brian you never feel too worried me or in general? <laughs> I don't know. Like I've known Brian yeah. since I was like, I don't know, 17 and 16. And so like, I've just, even when we played together in Italy and just like how our friendship has grown, it's like when you're, when I'm with Brian, it's like, no matter what happens, I always feel like oh, he's got like, he's a smart guy, you know, he comes <laughs> off just like so chill and whatever, but like, he's a smart guy. I always trusted him. Like if something happened, like I, where I would definitely fall off the curve, he would just hold it together. I feel like he's got like a really calming presence about him, you know? Yeah. And I can like ride the waves of my emotions. That's something I, I know that I'm not great at, but he's very steady for me. And like you said, that very calming kind of protector. So yeah, I would say with both of us, like, I, I hope they get some of our good qualities. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious too, like what's, what's it like now that you're married? First of all, you have this like super beautiful wedding. You come off of winning another medal, which by the way, what are you doing anymore? Like be done with volleyball anyways. Uh, and so my, I'm just so curious now it's like, 
all these amazing moments in your life happen. And then you go to Japan and you're playing volleyball and you're kind of coaching and you're now having to do like some distance from Brian. Like, what is that? That's got to be emotionally a lot. I think when I, I went straight into a two week quarantine after um, we won the gold medal, had our wedding, our honeymoon, had another celebration. um, And then we bought a home and we moved in. And then the day after that, I went into a two week quarantine here in Japan. And I think I was just like emotionally (laughs) depleted from that, but it was like the best six weeks of my life. And um, yeah, just, I do think obviously those moments are an anomaly based off of our sport because most people get to have those moments like every few weekends or a couple months to go do those things. But Mm. because we play for eight months and then we play national team four months, like those are few and far between. So it was like six weeks of like all the things I've ever missed, Mm. like damn back. So I know that won't be how like everyday life is, but, um, I had some stuff I needed to work through. It it was a long five-year journey to get to the Olympics. And with COVID and the isolation and just not not being so sure about what was next for me and my career and stuff, I knew that this time would be good because I needed to kind of find myself again. Um, I felt like I had been like so unwilling to let anything stand in my way for the Olympics Mm. that that affected me a lot mentally and emotionally. Um, I went through a a pretty bad injury that I didn't think I'd ever play volleyball again. Like that was the scale of it. And Mm. um, your back. Yeah. Yeah. My back. And then just, like I said, the isolation really, really was tough. So I'm really grateful that I'm here and I do think like life comes in, you know, like ebb and flow. There's I'm also always... grateful. You're not dead. That just sounded, you were saying that like, you're grateful to be alive. I'm like, yeah, definitely. No, no. <laughs> I, well that too, but yeah, I just, I, I really do think there's like an ebb and flow to life. And when there are hard moments, there's also very beautiful ones on the, on the other side of it. So just trying to find that, but where did you yeah, find that in, in the, I don't know, like COVID hits. And I remember when you, I remember being in the national team gym, when you had that issue in your back and you just seemed like mentally just like, so gone. Like it was de- it yeah. seemed so obvious that it was taking such a big toll on you, not just in the gym outside, like every waking moment. So like, how did you, yeah. how did you deal with that? Well, it came out of nowhere, basically. Um, okay wait can you hear me mm-hmm. okay sorry um it basically came out of nowhere um I was playing in the finals in Turkey in April and then I woke up one day and I couldn't walk like just like that there was nothing that happened no movement no nothing I just woke up and I had to like crawl to get to the shower and then I told I couldn't play. So we finished the season, whatever. I go back to the gym and just kind of take two weeks off. I didn't tell anybody about my back because I'm really bad with injuries. I just don't speak about them. Um, Why? So I, what's difficult about the USA gym is it's hard to be vulnerable. Um, 
at least for me, I feel like I never want to give anybody doubt that I'm not capable or that I won't be capable. So it takes me a long, I'm working on it, but it takes me a long time to. Like, okay. I think that's a really good topic to, to kind of talk about a little bit because I definitely experienced that with the men's team in such a different way. And it's, it's always been like, to me, like someone like you who already been to an Olympics, like so obviously a starting six or in the running for a starting six player. That's to hear someone like you say, I still don't feel I can be totally vulnerable about how I feel. It's strange to me because I will say on my end, I'm the guy like fighting to be tra- for a long time. It was fighting just to travel and then like talk about being in the starting rotation. Like I'm a smaller middle, like I've had some bad injuries. Like I'm always scratching to get at the front door. And so for me, I'm, my problem is I'm way too vulnerable probably with everyone. That's just my own issue. But I just, to hear from you that like you have a hard time being vulnerable. It's just like, that caught me by surprise a little bit because I would assume you'd feel really safe with like your position on the team. You think, um, it's a, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse situation because the blessing side of it is that mindset to never believe you're enough has been the mindset that's pushed me like incredibly hard to like be better and to work harder, but it's also the mindset that's really damaged me in a, in a lot of ways. And so I'm mm working through that and those kind of things. And also with my back, my coach, coach, um, he basically like sat me down and he was like, you need to heal your back before like anything else. So he kind of just gave me like enough encouragement to say, don't worry about like, the now and you'll be, you'll be in Tokyo. So like for him to say that was just all the freedom I needed to really like mm. heal my back, but it was, it took a long time and no one ever told like, I never got a diagnosis. Um, no one knows to this day, like what happened, but I got six or it ended up being 12 total over the course of two months, but 12 cortisone injections into my low back. Um, yeah. So, and it's, I don't know if that's healthy or not, but that sounds like a lot of those. (laughs) Well, honestly, like I truly, I couldn't walk. I couldn't sit. I couldn't, Mm. a coach would free ball a ball. You just woke up and bam, it was there. Yeah. That's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And there's nothing on the MRIs. There's nothing on the scans. And like, I just remember one day a uh, coach rolled me a ball because they were trying to get me back playing and I couldn't even step forward to pass it. I couldn't put my arms out because this were like putting your arms out to pass requires so much core and back strength and not that we even know it because at this point it's like, yeah, you're so shredded. It's like, you don't even know what you're looking at yeah, anymore. I'm so shredded. It's just like, I'm so natural, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. And I just went into the locker room in the ASC and just sat in the corner and like sobbed because I was like, how is this happening two months before I go to the Olympics after sacrificing five, eight years to get there? Mm -hmm. Like, how is this happening right now? 
with no explanation. And so that was just such a mind, like, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but (laughs) a mind fuck. Yeah, you can swear. This is a wild (laughs) West podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, for sure. But in the end, everything obviously worked out. So yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think uh, a lot of the girls on the national team or maybe just like girls volleyball in general, do you think a lot of women feel like they can't express how they feel with their coaches? I mean, obviously maybe it's a bit subjective, but like, what's your, what was your experience like with that in college or in high school or even in the national team? Yeah, I think college, it's a little bit more flexible to like talk about those things. What's so, I think what makes it difficult at the national team level is that you are vying for one of three, one of four spots um, out of everybody in the entire country playing. And like, there's the margins are thin, right? Like the margins are so, so small between you going and you not going that you don't, that's where the, like where I'm not capable of being vulnerable with it because I never want to let anybody like inch me out over something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, and even you can feel as safe as you want, but like, I, I don't think I've ever wanted to feel safe because that is like what drives me. Hmm. Like if I was super comfortable, I think maybe I wouldn't be the player I am. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I just think about like, how do you think that that negatively affected? It's clear. It's clear to me now with like your level of determination, especially how that actually maybe pushed you a little bit. Um, I'm curious how you feel maybe it negatively impacted either your performance or just like who you are off the court. Like, yeah, uh, it definitely has. And like speaking honestly about it is still unnatural for me. I, I try, I think more and more publicly to like talk about mental health and those kind of things or, um, emotional and like mental well-being and stuff. But I think for a long time, you're just being statted and judged and a lot of expectations. And if you don't win, then, you know, it's like, it's not winning becomes, and this isn't with national team, this is mostly with pro, but like winning it's almost never enough it's like okay you do this and you win that what's next instead of like like really feeling like what it is to win does that make sense and I think like the judgment just like I feel like I got I got caught up in like everyone else's expectations or everyone else's judgments of like me as a player and it was always trying to like prove that I was good enough instead of like really leaving in myself I think those are like two very different things yeah they definitely are and I think they're two really interesting things I I a lot of times have to check myself also like it's interesting because even last year for example when I played in con and got like MVP of the league and we won the championship and it was like I just come off an injury. Like it was such a great and amazing feeling. And it's a strange, it's strange when leading up to playing there, it was like a hundred percent, I was doing it for me. 
I want, I didn't want this injury to end my career. I wanted to show I could come back and play for me. And every day I was working harder to like progress and progress. And it was so easy to focus on me. And then you start having a lot of success and then people hold you to this standard because they know what you're capable of. And then, I don't know. I, I feel like from, in my experience, I started to lose myself in the journey of success. And I'm curious if you like, if you felt the same way where maybe you're, you're, you're concentrating so much on like trying to win and show what you can do and all these things rather than focusing on like, how can I get better today? Am I still doing the thing I love? Like, where's your checks and balances in that? Yeah. Well, I think actually I, I had this conversation with Brian, um, like a couple months ago, just like what I feel when I play anymore. and. So for fun, I like went back to watch and I never do this, but I went back to watch um, like 2017. I was playing in the final four of Champions League and I was like, I think like 24. Um, And I was when I watched that player, I was taking like big swings on balls that like you should just you shouldn't be taking a big swing on like you're 10 feet off the net and in the middle of the court like what are you doing Mm. but I was just like fearless and like had no concept of anything but like playing because I loved competing and you can see it like I could see it and I felt totally disconnected from that player when I was watching it I was really sad because I was like that was a different person and I think yeah you just you start it's almost like you start to play for some of the best teams in the world and you start to have success and win and prove yourself. And then you want to stay there. And I don't know, I think somewhere along the way, I forgot that it was fun. You know, well, it was just and, fun. To yeah, for sure. And that's a really great example you used. Um, I, I, that's, I mean, I made a joke in the beginning, like you want a bronze medal, you want a gold medal, like gold medal, you want a gold medal. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? When are you going to be done? Like, how do you, <clears throat> once you've had what's from the outside seems like so much success in the sport. And just to be clear, it's so clear that you're not just volleyball. That's why you're doing these other things that I want to get into for sure. Yeah. But I, I'm genuinely curious. I'm like, what are you, you have, you're, you're married now. You have these other things going on. Like you've already had so much success. Like what keeps you playing? I mean, um, let's be honest, probably the money, the financial side, and you've earned the right to make a good living playing volleyball. Can we be honest about that for sure? Yeah. But like, where are you having fun now? Yeah. Well, I really feel like I was meant to be in Japan because it has really taken me to a different space that I haven't been in a long time. Um, I feel a lot of presence, a lot of joy, like so much joy. And where's that coming from? It's to me, like presence is the equivalent of joy for me um, when I'm present. And I used to like, it was always about what's next. Where am I going next? Like I get the scholarship then. Okay. I want to play pro. Okay. I want to play national team. Okay. I want to go to the Olympics. I want to win champions league. I want to win Turkish league. It was like constantly this mindset of like, what's next. And like, it was always, I'll be happy when Mm. like, I'll be happy when I can say I'm an Olympian. I'll be happy when I can say I'm a two-time Olympian. I'll be happy when I have a gold medal. And 
there wasn't a lot of like I you know don't get me wrong I lived it up like every day I am one to to take advantage of like where I'm at you know that I love to travel love to be in the ocean those kind of things but there was always this like awareness that I was constantly thinking about what's next instead of like being present and so that was something I really really like demanded of myself this year in Japan I was like I want to find that I want to find joy again and I want to find peace and I can't keep going the way that I've been going and so I did a lot of therapy I've been every week for the last like five months just like constantly showing up for myself um by therapy do you mean you work with a therapist yeah oh online Yeah, I forget there's like tons of things about tons of ways to do therapy. But yeah. Um I have a, a therapist that I I talk to online and I just I feel like I have that like wanna be better mindset with everything, not just volleyball. Like and I knew I was suffering inside, so why not get better? And so I sought help and I think through therapy and through like journaling and meditation and those kind of things, like I know that when I'm present, it's because I'm being creative and like really connected to the people around me, whether that like in Japan, a lot of times it's not a verbal connection, it's an emotional or a physical connection, but Mm. that means that fills me up. Creativity fills me up. And when I can have those things, I can have presence, which allows me joy and peace. And the volleyball just becomes more fun and more light. And I'm really, really just grateful that I chose to come here and like find that. All about presence. I also love presents. So many of them. Yeah, so many presents. So many presents. Oh, I think I, Kelsey, I think it's a really amazing way to describe happiness because I, I think about it and I use a different term. I use like flow state. God, these are such like corny terms, but they're the truth. Um, And that's why I think for me, like I'm so uh, heavily involved in movement and these things that are physically challenging me that get me out of my head and allow me to just be in the moment. In fact, and maybe you feel the same way. It's one of the reasons that I, I still love volleyball, that volleyball proves to be something that I still love because when I'm playing volleyball, I'm not thinking about anything for the most part, unless we're having a boring practice and I'm just mad that everything seems boring and mundane, but like for the most part, especially games, like you're so in the moment that it just completely takes you out of reality. You like lose your sense of self and you just are so present in the moment. I think that's such a beautiful thing. Are you going to the bathroom right now? What are you doing? <laughs> no, sorry. My computer's about to die. And so. I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was a really beautiful way to describe no, I, it. And, and I, I think about that for like who I surround myself with. Like, I, I think about in trying to think outside of volleyball and think about a life I want to create, I think about what are things that continue to allow me to be in the present moment, to be in this flow state. And a lot of times too, it's like your environment. When I'm hanging out with people that are like-minded that I really love and I know they love me back, like I'm not thinking about anything, but just enjoying my time with them. And mm-hmm. it's the same with like work that I'm doing. Like even this podcast, it's like, if I was bored by you, I'd be like looking at notes and trying to ask you questions, but like, I'm so genuinely I'm curious. Not bored by me. What's that? I'm glad you're not bored by me. No, you're, <laughs> you're a fucking inspiration, you know? And, uh, 
I don't know. I just, uh, I just think that was a really beautiful way to describe what makes you like what, what happiness is and that it's not this like achieving this thing and then achieving this thing. Like that is such a part that can temporarily make you so happy and you should relish in those moments. Um, but that was just cool to hear someone else say something similar because even though I worded a little different, it sounds like there's a similar philosophy to happiness. And yeah. be, I'm curious how you feel, how that's changed as you've gotten older and now kind of getting into like some of the things you're doing now, um, like take me through when you first started playing pro, like what did you enjoy doing compared to like now that you, it seems that there's been this big difference. Not that you were, you never struck me as someone who just like goes home and watches Netflix or plays video. Actually, yeah, you definitely strike me as someone who plays a lot of video games, but. Um, um, there's no video games in my household because I hate them. <laughs> um no I honestly I I love being outside like I think when I was first starting volleyball like that was what I would do like after practice just go swim be in the ocean like I think that like being active um fun fact when I first started on the national team I was in a rec basketball league in Laguna Beach wow (laughs) that is such a fun I earned my stripes like when I first got to the gym, they like were like Ugh, a girl and like, it was like a co-ed they, league. No, it was all men. And oh, nice. They were, they were, I would just like, as they would go down to the one basket, I would shoot on the other basket and then they'd somebody get the ball and they'd come back and then they'd go back the next year. Like that was what I did. And then finally, the I, had, I had to fill in and then I just, I like, kept getting like, more time, more time. And then finally, like I was one of the five, like I was like, if a new person would come, like we would like all talk and be like, okay. You're like, look at this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so fun. Like literally after national team practice, I would go play basketball for two hours. And I'm just like, when I think about that, I was like, why would you do that? (laughs) Psycho. Um, But I just, I've always loved being active and I don't think I ever really, like I always did photography, but like in a fun, casual way, it was never serious. Like mm. maybe just on my iPhone or things like that. But, um, when I got to Imoco in Italy, I was, I'm a journalism major, uh, in college. And so writing has been something I've always done, but, um, mm. I was traveling a lot and, like we had to have two days off. I'd go to Berlin, then London, then Paris. And so I just started writing and that was my first discovery of, wow, this gives me a lot of balance to like write and have something I'm passionate about and share it. And then that progressed into a YouTube channel, which progressed into like my photography and my film. Um, and then COVID happened. Wait, really quick. I need to backtrack you your writing pro like journaling what does that even what does that mean you would just travel and just write about it like where did you make time to do that what's that process like well i have a website it's called kelseymarie.co a lot of people don't know about it but it is like my 24 hours series so like if i'd get to go somewhere for 24 or 48 hours i would share everything i saw and did where i stayed what to eat and like little fun stories and you're a planner Um, by the way let me, yeah. yeah, you're a girl I, who plans so. it out to a T. Um, and I love, I love that you're just that type of person because your website is something that like is probably the most believable information out there. If you say there's a good restaurant to eat, you went there and it, you crushed it. Yeah. I wouldn't cool. ever 
say something. You've never told a lie in your life. Not about travel, but But that's what I mean. (laughs) Obviously we're just talking about travel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just like, I, I mean, I remember in like fifth grade, it was like, what do you want to be with your life? And I was like, I want to be Samantha Brown from great hotels, um, on the travel channel. And I would go home and like all the kids would watch like Saturday morning cartoons. I would watch Saturday, great hotel, like reruns and reruns. And take like, notes. Yes. I'm not kidding. That's where, why I became a journalism major. That's all I ever wanted to do. I made like little like newscasty videos of me, like traveling around the neighborhood. I'm like, just like interviewing the like local animals and shit. And I was like, Whoa. yeah. So that's like kind of why I'm a strange person, but <laughs> I, don't even know I just picture you with like a camcorder, like trying to chase down a squirrel or something. No, I, with like the little like roller, uh, the shoes, the sneakers with like the one blade on, <laughs> just like blade. Heelys. <laughs> Heelys. Yeah. Talking about Heelys, the blade. Heelys in my camcorder. Did you grow up? Did you grow up in like a like farm town or no. like a no cul-de-sac in the suburbs? Yeah, wow. but my parents are both. So you had squirrels from, uh, though. Yeah, but my parents are both. They were both raised in Iowa on pig farms, so mm. I got the farm farm life experience. Uh, you definitely well. got the farm genetics. Because you have a hammer. We've been over that. Yeah, look at those puppies. <laughs> um, so so that's that's actually really interesting. I didn't I didn't realize you were first of all, I forgot you were a, a journalist major. Journalist major? Yes, journalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Are do yeah. you still do you still keep up with with uh like when you travel to new places? Are you writing about your time in Japan? Do you just do it for fun now? Is that on your website? Yeah, I do everything for fun. Um, I like really love it. And I love reading them. They're like little, mem- it's like basically a little journal mm. for me um, that I genuinely enjoy going back uh, and kind of reading through. So I, it's up to date from our honeymoon. I haven't done Japan stuff just because I've been really busy, but I'll get to that, I guess, yeah. at some point. Um, but also that's kind of what led me into the YouTube channel, just making videos. And they're little like memories for me that I like, absolutely love looking back and just seeing because we forget so much of it and it's all on camera which is me cool. specifically god i wish i would have started a youtube channel real early actually i'd be disappointed in fact that's what i really wanted to know was when you see like your writing style or the way that you spoke in your journals from i don't know five ten years ago have you noticed like an evolution in your thinking or in your because the thing i really love about the fact that you're describing these like amazing times in your life is I know for myself, a lot of times when I journal and I read old journals, it's like me trying to sort out my issues. It never feels like, like now I used to do something called like, uh, I don't know, basically where you, you take like 15 or 20 minutes and it's like a consciousness thing and you just don't stop writing. You just keep going, keep going. Those are fun to read. And I used to write short stories. Those are cute and entertaining, but most of my journal entries are like, I'm like, Oh, it's just sad. It's just me like working over the issues in my head or like, I don't know, dude, what's your style been? Like, have you noticed like a maturity difference or just like, I don't know, in your style of writing? Um, I think I've always just written from emotion. And so I think what I notice is when I reread it, I'm taken back to like what I was feeling then. And 
kind of maybe what I was going through. And so, and this is not on my website. This is like personal writing that I noticed. Um, but I'm grateful that I wrote it down because I can really connect to like what that was like to go through. Um, Mm. the, I guess with the website and stuff like that, more my style of photography has like just changed exponentially and Mm. so sometimes when I look at my editing or like how like saturated or things like that I'm like oh gosh and what's your style now actually I don't really edit I do a lot of film and so that I just kind of keep natural um and then I'll just make like one or two adjustments but I keep it very very natural and I just feel like over time that looks really good I think mostly I just look for light like when I photograph stuff I'm just like looking for light and like that's kind of what I find beautiful, I guess. So Did you say light? Light. Yeah, yeah. like sunlight, those kind I, of things. I think because I was a real short-term photographer, I I was like basically copying Ben and I were been best friends for the last I don't know, five, seven years, but there was a moment where I was like, I want to pursue something creative outside of volleyball. And Ben and I were living together and he does photography. And I was like, Oh, I've always loved photography. Like I'm going to do what you're doing. And like, tried to learn editing and like was second shooting, uh, weddings with him. Yeah. It was a terrible time in my life. Actually it was amazing. But like, I learned so much from that process, but something I found that was so interesting was pursuing something outside of volleyball, pursuing something that was also like really fun. And I was so bad at it. And I was completely learning. It reminded me of when I was, I had like a rebellious stage when from like 12 to 14. And I was like, I'm going to be a professional skater, like fuck organized sports. I'm going to be a professional skater. I started street skating all over the place. And you start, your mind starts to see the world as a skate park. So every time I was driving anywhere, I was looking like, Oh, a rail staircase, like curb, like all sorts (laughs) of little things. And I found the same thing to be true with photography where all of a sudden I became super aware when I went into a room of like something that was aesthetically pleasing or where the light was coming from things that I had never thought about. Like, did you you have a similar, like how did that change your perspective deciding to like dive into photography? I feel like it's always been something that brings me a lot of happiness and not only happiness, but I think that presence, like, because in photography like you're looking at something that through your lens that you think is beautiful it's like your perspective of beauty and you have to be very present to notice that and I think especially with film photography there's so much that goes into it you can't just like snap away like it I think when I dove into film photography that really brought a new level of awareness to like what I think is beautiful and what I want to capture um so yeah, it's definitely made me slow down a lot. Now I bring, because of that process of, you know, wanting to have a creative outlet because it brings me joy. It helps me be flexible with myself and like pivot basically. Like when I'm having maybe negative emotions, whether it's about myself or maybe we just lost a game or it's the 15th game we just lost or, you know what I mean? Like you can get really caught in that. Mm. And so now I carry a little point and shoot camera in my purse. And like, for example, we lost and I was like, really just like grinding myself about it. And I was like, just tearing myself apart. Like, you know, you're not good enough. Like this team could win with somebody else, like be better, be better. And 
obviously that doesn't serve anybody. The game is over. The moment's over. So like, who's that helping? But Mm -hmm. I just like took out my camera and I had my like little 18 year old sitting next to me. And I just, we just started taking pictures. I was showing her the film camera and she was like super excited about it. Like just like so fired up and it just brings you right out of that. Mm. Like it takes you right to like a, the moment, but B like volleyball isn't everything. And like the game is the game, you know? So I think kind of how I've been shifting. Yeah. I just think that's so important. I feel like so many, uh, people see volleyball players they idolize or listen to volleyball podcasts. It's all about volleyball. And I feel like volleyball is only actually a part of becoming a great athlete and overall, like just maximizing your potential and, and learning about yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, the first time this is kind of out of left field, I guess, but the first time I ever experienced like a real depression was when I had knee surgery, I was living in Porto and, uh, was the first time in my life. I'm like, dude, who am I when volleyball is not around? Mm-hmm. Like, who am I? I've always, I've never truly, I've never saw myself as like Taylor, the volleyball player. I've, I've always been so interested in so many other things, but because I've never been like professional volleyball level at any of these other things, it was like, I don't know who I am. I guess I am this volleyball guy. And I remember uh, at the time getting into stand-up comedy and was like, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. Terrible decision. That's such a lonely lifestyle. And I'm not that fucking funny. So let's be honest. But like what I loved about that process, and I ended up doing five minutes at the Hollywood Improv. It was the most terrifying moment I've had even any never been so nervous in my life. Um, and it went great and it was terrible at the same time. doesn't matter. Um, but my point, my, my point is like, I think even choosing to do photography, choosing to try to do stand-up comedy, whatever, it's just this amazing way to take yourself into a new moment and be present. And I think that is such a huge part of succeeding as a human being, because I know for my, I feel exactly the same way, right? Like, and having an injury is a big one. Even now, like I've been dealing with plantar fasciitis and I'm out here in Poland and it's been like five, six weeks since I've played. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? And thank God there's been, I'm at the age now where I have enough experience. There's other things that I'm pursuing that are so challenging and so frustrating. And thank God, because they get me out of my head. So now it makes, it makes playing volleyball so much easier to do because I don't rely on volleyball for my happiness that's been my goal is like, don't rely on this one thing. Now it's tough overseas. And maybe you feel the same way, like for me, and I know you too love to surf, which there is surf in Japan. That's something we should talk about. Yeah. We went surfing. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. That is so cool that you guys went surfing in Japan. Where did you go? So we went to Okinawa. I got seven days off because I couldn't go home because of Corona. It's Mm. banned. Um, so Brian and I went to Okinawa and we went diving for the first time ever. And it was like, so wonderful. Sharks in Japan. Yeah. But we were just at like a, it was a kind of beginner course. So it wasn't like too. They hide all the sharks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but we just found this like coffee shop and they ended up like having, a friend who took people surfing so he took us surfing and it was like right at sunset right outside these like big cliffs and little baby kelsey size waves so they were perfect and the water was warm and so clear and surfing is just incredible and when you do it in other countries you're just 
it's like a high. And I always, I remember looking at Brian and just being like, how is this my life? Like that I get to surf in Japan and it surfing brings me joy, like so much, except for when I'm surfing with Brian and he catches (laughs) all the waves. (laughs) Um, And he doesn't help me. And then I get really sad. But (laughs) Let's be honest, Kelsey, you're a tough one to teach. I've been in the water with both of you and I feel bad for Brian every time I'm going to say it right here on the podcast because, uh, because you're someone who like, it's so hilarious because to me, you're someone who like, doesn't want to be told what to do. You want to figure it out. You want the struggle, but then also like, he's trying to help you and you're like, not really receptive because you want to learn it on your own, but then you also want him to be there for you and help him. It's a confusing I thing. Want, basically, what I would like is for him to watch every single one of my waves and acknowledge me, the wave that was ridden. Yeah. And tell me if it was a good one or what I can do better. <laughs> and then not cut me off when he sees me going. That really grinds my gears. Like, you've caught 30 waves. I'm clearly like, I'm already claiming this one. This one's mine. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Ryan cut me off. And it's he's like, uh, no, he's the worst. And that one sends me from like zero to a hundred. And he did that in Okinawa. And I basically got really mad, <laughs> but then he was like, Kelsey, I'm not going to surf with you. If you could do this. And I'm Dude, like, fine. <laughs> this is such a classic. The relationship specifically surfing together is such a classic actually it probably bleeds into so many other just really hilarious like relationship dynamics like you want help but it needs to be a certain way but then like brian's brian you know and then or you know whoever's whoever (laughs) and it's just oh that's hilarious yeah you know i do listen to him when he tells me about volleyball though because i respect his opinion i don't respect his opinion surfing so yeah he's only been surfing since he was like three years old you're totally right Volleyball definitely yeah. makes sense, though. He was a baller. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad, you know? Yeah, but he's... I, and I'm... I really... I should have both of you on here because... A, it's just a great excuse for me to catch up with you guys. But also, um, Brian's also an interesting one because he went from... He transitioned from... Maybe you can speak a little on his behalf, but like he... trans Because for those who don't know, Brian Cook played at Stanford. He was a baller. Then he went to Italy, balled out there, and then had some surgeries that just like were too difficult yeah. to come back from, like a knee and hip surgery that were really gnarly. He's also such a, the kid grew up in like Santa Cruz. So he's such a baller on the beach. And he like kind of had to give all that up. And it's unbelievable because truly like Brian was a really, really good player. And yeah. I was, I don't know. I, I've I was al- always been curious. And Brian isn't necessarily the guy who's going to like just, pour out all of his emotions you know he's really honest and can be vulnerable and i love that about him but i I don't know i've always been like man how did you transition from playing doing the thing you love forever and this is what as we get older at least for me i'm always curious how guys and girls are transitioning from being a professional athlete to the next stage in life because i know for him like he didn't want to just be a coach and i know for you you don't want to like just be a coach you want to do something that's very unique to you and so I'm curious, yeah. like on your end, how did that either affect your relationship or what was that like watching him go through that process? Well, I think it's not first, it's not easy to watch the person you love, like have their passion um, kind of ripped away from them without choice, you know, like he couldn't play and he really didn't 
kind of transition until COVID hit. He had worked, he did the surgeries, he did stem cells, he did everything possible and had worked towards playing beach volleyball for the 2020 season. And then that was canceled because of COVID. He was already experiencing pain when he was training for that. And so that was his ultimate decision of like, this is, this is done. I want to, I want to surf. I want to, you know. And that was two years after trying, right? Like after surgery, like spending two years trying to get back. Yeah. Yeah. And so realizing like, yeah, that wasn't that long ago that he had that kind of, I mean, there was always hope, I think, um, up until then. And so you're always kind of like, you always have that hope and you're training and pushing for that. And then that hope was basically taken away from him. From him. So as a, like a partner, you just, you want him to have the freedom to find himself again. And Bri, it's been quite difficult, I think, for him because he is so passionate about volleyball and not only passionate, but he is incredibly talented. And Mm -hmm. I have a really hard time saying people are good at volleyball, but he's fantastic. Like, Mm -hmm. especially on the beach, he's just a monster and, um, definitely had, I mean, there was a path for the Olympics for him for beach Mm -hmm. and it just couldn't happen. So, um, he's been incredibly supportive of my career, but I think he's also the biggest reminder of like, I get to play a sport for fun, you know, like mm. for, for a job, I get mm. to play this sport for a job and just to like count my blessings there. But he's very ambitious, very smart, driven and navigating that world after volleyball. Currently he, he started a business, um, new native camping where he yeah. built camper vans. And they're and sick. Really I, well. His process was yeah. cool. I loved being a part of like watching him breaking down these vans and building them back up like a talent i actually had never knew that he he was learning it all like on the fly and built these incredible but vans that's what that is what is so frustrating about him and why i can't surf with him because he's good he's one of those people that is just good at everything 100%. like like he learned how to make sourdough bread and then started a company and it was super successful and then closed it and like, that's just how he operates. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to do something really well and I'm going to achieve it. And then I'm going to move on. And like, it, it's very, very frustrating, but mm. he's going back to school for business. New native is taking off and doing well and just, um, can manage from a distance and those kind of things. But he's, also he is the Instagram for that is what new native co new native camping, new native camping. Cool. Plug yeah. that because they are really cool. Yeah. And you can rent them out of Santa Cruz and they're super fun. Um, but he's, you know, he's navigating the world after sport and doing what he can and finding that. I don't think it's very clear at the moment, but he's, like I said, he's super ambitious and he wants to like make something of himself. So as a partner, I just have to be incredibly supportive and also have a lot of, I think if I hadn't played in the sport world, I probably like people wouldn't really get what that feels like to have mm-hmm. it taken from you, mm-hmm. but because I know like, and he's not one to give off any emotion or uh, vulnerability on it, but I do know that it, it hasn't been easy for him and yeah. he hides it well, but yeah. And I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, I think that I think a lot of players really struggle with that or haven't, really sat down with themselves and asked the question until it's too late. I mean, how many athletes do we see that 
they finish playing indoor and then they either just like get a job, like a normal job. And they're like, Oh God, I miss, you know how much I miss just like playing all the time. And like that my work was a play and all this kind of stuff. Um, or they end up just coaching. And I think a lot of that is because we associate so much with just like being a volleyball player. And a lot of us didn't create and work on trying to provide yourself balance. Um, so I guess my question for you now, just to kind of like slowly wrap it up a little bit, uh, what's next for you? Like, what are you, like, if you stop playing volleyball right now, like, what would you do? I mean, a whole lot I would do. <laughs> well, you're already um, well, doing was, some of it. Let's talk about your clothing line yeah. that you're starting, which is really cool. Very cool stuff. Talk yeah. About. So, um, I've always been into fashion. I've always been into the environment and our earth and treating it right. And fast fashion has like really just made me angry enough to want to do something about it what's and fast fashion also, like h&m and stuff what's yeah fast like fashion? H&M are basically companies that are producing insane amounts of clothes like every quarter whatever but mervyn's california you remember that place maybe not never mind midwest um <laughs> basically fast fashion like pumps out clothing and it's cheaply made and most of the time unethically where they're not paying their garment workers fair wages. They're not in good conditions. The fabrics and fibers they're using typically are ones that are harming. I mean, the fashion industry is like third, I think in the world, um, as the third biggest pollutant. Um, so that's like, and they're, so what are you making then? Yeah, exactly. And so that's what I struggled with a long time because I was like, I don't want to add to that. But um, so I took a sustainability or sustainable and ethically made fashion course for while I was playing in China. Um, Where? How do you do? How do you do that? You just Google it. I did it online. Yeah. Through Virtue and Vice. And so. wait a second we're experiencing technical difficulties kelsey um how's it now okay wait a second it says my internet connection is unstable you're unstable tell me that what's wrong with my god polish internet is the worst i can hear you you can hear me okay wait a second just in case i edit that out i don't know if i will it doesn't matter that claps are fun continue I didn't get any of that. So um, start from the beginning. Sorry. Okay. The, what did I tell you about the course? Yeah. You said you vice versa okay. or something. You took it online. Virtue and vice. Yeah. So <laughs> basically I wanted to incorporate my life. And so I travel a ton and maybe I'll get like a, a weekend off where I, I go somewhere. So I wanted to make pieces that all kind of mix and match together. Like you can literally wear these pieces together and have like 15 different outfits. I also wanted to make something very comfortable and relaxed, um, very like easy to wear to the beach or like strap on heels and like go out. I wanted it very flexible. Um, and then it's made from fabrics that have less of a carbon footprint and use less water to produce. And, 
um, just have a better impact on our earth. And it's also made in New York. Um, I know the factory and I know the people that are making them and it's all cool. ethically made, um, good working conditions, fair wages. Um, and so I, the, sorry, the big kicker of the line, the thing that I'm like most excited about is the length. So all my tall girls, tall men who like can never find clothes that fit them. That was the inspiration. So all the pants, um, and the lengths and the sleeves are made for taller women. And then if you might not be as tall, it's kind of like an oversized fit. So which that's is, what I made. which is trending, right? Oversized is trending. Yeah. So it's um, called Kelsey Marie. Cause that's my middle name So cute. and it's launching February 1st. Awesome. Are you, yeah. so did you, the part that I am most interested in is how you go. Hmm. Here's like a problem. I love fashion. I'd love to make a clothing line. And then you make the clothing line because from my standpoint, I'm like, I see you and Brian, I'm like, God, I'm so envious of your ability to execute things. It's something I'm really working Working on doing. And I am just so curious how you go from like, here's an idea. How X many months later, now I have something to show for it. I have my own clothing line. Like, where does that, how does that be? How do you even begin doing that? What's that just feels overwhelming to me. So break this down into how you're just able to like create your own clothing line. Yeah. Well, I feel like I find myself in the. (laughs) Okay. We're back. Technical difficulties. Uh, My internet's garbage. You were in the bathroom. Now you're in the kitchen. Things have changed. Um, <laughs> or is that the same place? Why did I think you were in the bathroom? It looks, it looks like you're in a bathroom. You guys can't tell right now, but there's like a shower handle. Wow. And a curtain, a, sh- a shower curtain. What is that? It's my fridge. <laughs> All right. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. What do you got in there? What's in your fridge? Eggs. No, I live like bachelor style life because, um, I eat at my team dorm and I get lunch in a bento box. So like, it's like eggs, wine, Coke. <laughs> Wait, they, they give you like food every day. You have breakfast, lunch, dinner there. Yeah. Are you in a hotel? No, dorm, but I can opt out of eating if I want to, but I actually really like the food and it's really good. And the, the chef and like his little assistant, like love me and they're so cute. And so oh. I have to go. Also, okay, let's, let's jump. Let's just really quickly jump back into your clothing line, Kelsey Marie that you started. Yeah, girl oversized, got the tall girl in mind. Is it unisex or is it just like a women? Is it mainly a women's line? It's mainly, but the clothes are like very loose fitted and like oversized that I do feel like men could fit into it for sure. And what, like, give me, give me an example of what you're selling. Like what, give me, give me a fit, give me a kit. Yeah. So our like staple piece that I'm obsessed with is a blazer pant, like a loose fitted pant, a blazer. It's made out of a bamboo fabric. So it's like typically blazers, like linen or something. It's super soft. Like you could, I could wear it to bed Mm. and then like put a cute little swimming under and like some heels, wear it out for drinks. Um, then it comes with a crop, like a matching crop, like fabric and, um, then we have knit shorts, a waffle knit short and like your typical standard, like long sleeve button down blouse that's made out of a hundred percent organic linen. 
Um, and then everything's like black, uh, Americano or white. So mix and match. Everything looks good together. Yes. Neutral tones. Yes. Earthy neutral tones. Earthy, just your standard, like staple pieces, you know, Mm. and that's like the biggest part about sustainability and why I wanted to do this is because I wanted to talk about that. Like so many people, when I put on my story about fast fashion or slow fashion or these, like, how can we help make better decisions? A lot of people have no idea where to shop. Like they'll ask me, what are your favorite stores? Cause I don't know where to look. And mm. so I really want to educate people on the ways that you can look at shopping a little bit differently. It's like, and I'm not like going around telling everybody like, don't buy that. And you know what I mean? It's right. I think it's more about making a conscious decision about what you're buying, how long it's going to stay in your closet. Can you, can you use something like rework something in your closet before you buy? Can you buy vintage or used or thrift before you buy something new? Um, when you buy it new, can you look at the mission statement of the brand? Can you look at the fabrics used? Where are their garments made? You know, it takes a little bit more effort than just like seeing something, wanting it, buying it. No mm-hmm. problem. It's at your door in a day, but I can't justify buying something from Sheen, for example, where their garment workers are working 75 plus hours a week and they're selling that tank for $10. And it's like, I, I personally have a moral like compass that could not allow that to happen. Mm. So it's my, and I know, and also I do have the privilege to choose what I can buy and what I don't want to buy. Like, I know that I'm in a place that has that ability. And so I know there are people who can't, who sometimes just have to buy that $10 shirt because that's what they can afford. And so I understand that for me, it's really just about educating, about making a conscious decision. And if you have the privilege and the ability to do it, then I want to encourage that. Also, Shopping at your local Goodwill thrift store, that is very cheap. And honestly, I find the best clothes that I have came from some sort of vintage store, some sort of secondhand. So anyone can really afford to do it. Not everyone has a keen sense of style. That's really the problem. And that's where Kelsey Marie comes in, right? (laughs) Affordable, maybe. Um, I don't know if it's affordable or not. Yeah, Dunall, well, it's it's priced based off of, you know, how we made it. So with... It's gonna. It's good. Shit costs more, more for yeah, sure. Basically, yeah. Well, uh, this is okay. So this was like my point before everything got interrupted with my terrible Wi-Fi, and it's still not amazing. So we'll have to wrap this up in a second. But I, again, I was I was really curious. How did you? How did this all come to fruition? So like, you finally have this idea, or maybe you've had it for a while. I want to start a clothing line. I want to start a clothing line. Finally, you're like, I'm going to do something about it. What did you do? Did you Google like how to start a clothing line? Did that course you took just like walked you through the process? And by the end of the course, the clothing line was ready. You found someone to produce it. Like what's that process like? Yeah. So, um, I decided to take the course and I had the concept and the idea of what I wanted to make in mind already. So Hmm. I kind of worked from there throughout the course. Um, and then it was kind of just like, a jump in decision. I feel like that's kind of how I make most of my decisions, um, which can get me in trouble, but like, basically I'm just going to jump in and see where it goes and try something different and try something new. And I do think like going back to my childhood and those kind of things of like, 
being able to get things done and also just like go for it is something that like I know that I can do. And so even if it's, but I think a big part of it is not, is not being afraid if it's not successful. Like that's what stops people in any endeavor is that fear of like, what if, or what will people think? And I just, it wasn't about success. Like it's truly not about success for me. It's more about proving to myself that I can do this and, and like teaching myself skills that I would never have had I not. And Mm. so I'm just like, really, I'm so fired up and excited about it. And I've, we're already starting designing collection too. And I'm like thinking of ways to, you know, branch off into different directions. And it's just such a treat to come home and like get right to work every day after practice. I find so much joy in it. And in return, it's brought me incredible, like peace of mind and also Mm. a lot more joy on the court. Like I, I love my time in the gym. I love working and training and doing that. But when it's time to come home, it's time to focus on the things that give me balance in other ways. Well, this is a big reason why I love you. Like your willingness to take on projects and continue to like understand yourself through action, through doing things and learning new things. It's just really cool because, and I'm sure you have a similar experience. It is so easy to just be a professional volleyball player, like to just play Mm -hmm. volleyball. And I'm talking objectively, like, you know, today we have practice at three 15 from three 15 to five 15. That's my day. Have the whole morning yeah. to do whatever, come home, watch Netflix. Like it's so much easier to just watch Netflix and just hang out and do nothing and just enjoy your time, w- enjoy wasting time. And again, there's a time and place for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's where you're currently at in your life. But I just love people who are like, that's not enough for me. I want to pursue more. I can't just go out and surf today. All right. Or like for me, like I'm in Poland. There's what am I going to do outside? It just started snowing. It's actually adorable. But like, what am I going to do? And that's why I started creating this podcast and want to create this brand. You won't and do other things. So like, I love, because you are actually really an inspiration to me and always have been like, you're, you're someone to me. That's like, it's like Ben patch who's my man, best friend. You know, he's like always pushing the limits and it's so good to surround yourself with people who are just willingly like pushing the limit for themselves. Um, and it's like a cliche thing that like you are a product of your environment, but it's so true. And I feel so blessed to, call you like a really close friend and to see all the things you're doing. And I can't wait to see where some of these things go, but just to hear from you that like you're doing them because you want to, and you want to build these things. And you're the type of person that sees a problem and you got the solution. And now you're going to try to put it into the world, like with your clothing line, with some of the other things you've done. Um, you're always so willing to share your story. You're an amazing person. I'm so happy that we got to speak for a little bit. I think I'm going to go cry because that was like the sweetest thing anybody's ever said. (laughs) Okay, wait, to not make this too sappy then, uh, when's your next tattoo? What's your most recent one? I want to get new tattoos. That's why I was like, I was thinking about that. Okay, listen, I found this place in LA called Ephemal Tattoo. Hmm. It's not, it's, it lasts one year. Knock it it. off. Knock it off. No, it lasts one year. And I want to like complete my dreams of getting like a chest piece and just (laughs) You're going to get an eagle? I don't know. It's kind of like butterfly flower arrangement. Love that. Um, And it's only going to last one year and I'm not kidding. I think I'm going to do it. Really? Yeah, I really want it. 
wait, how does, how does that work? Like, so they don't draw it into your skin or it's just like an ink that dissolves or what? I think it, I think it's the ink. The ink just dissolves. I have no idea, but wow. I found it and I'm going to do it. Dude, that's freaking badass. <laughs> do you actually know what you want to put on there? Were you serious about the butterfly arrangement thing? No, no, I, I definitely want a chess piece, but, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. So Dude, that's hard. And in fact, now I can see you with like swimsuit blazer and chest piece. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm serious. <laughs> I love that. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll join, maybe I'll join you. I, I like want to get, I, I love just getting like little trinkets. Um, but it's like been some time and I'm ready to like, I want to fill up my arm. I don't know if I want to put them really anywhere else. I got one on my butt. I got one on my leg, but not really, you know, like. I know I, I do. I go in like phases of like being okay. And then phases where I'm like, I want seven. <laughs> yeah. In fact, Brian was my first tattoo. Him and I got tattoos together. That's amazing. I know. I think you guys, wait, it was, you were coming to watch me play in Florence. That's right. And, yeah. uh, we had, uh, <laughs> lots of wine and duck. And then, uh, I got sweet on my butt and he got dude on his butt and it's probably like to this day, my favorite tattoo. I know it's everyone in the locker room's favorite tattoo. And, uh, it makes me think of Brian every time I see it. So I love it. I was just so mad. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, you have such a perfect butt. He does have a juicy butt. That's for sure. I don't, I have yes, a gross butt. I could put like anything a, on there. It's an upgrade. His butt is kind of like a baboon butt. Like his butt is so high and it's just like so high and like big. And you're he's like, got the initial, the initial curve, which is something I'm lacking heavily, yeah. which is like yeah. right when your back meets like your pelvis, it's just boom. He's got yeah. that nice hump. Well, that's the thing. And we, you and I have talked about it, like where he tries to give us advice about like lifting or like body stuff. And we're it. both like, you literally were born that way. You could do absolutely nothing and look that way mm-hmm. while you and I have had to work for it. Yeah. Post-surgery. <laughs> he did nothing for like, I don't know how long. Still had a nice piece of butt. Doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. I'm so mad about it. But I'm happy for him. Okay. <laughs> Kelsey, I love you. This was amazing. Um, I love thank you, you too. so much. Uh, just quickly, if there's anything you want to plug, we got Kelsey Marie coming out. Uh, give me Instagram. Give me things that are coming up. Plug away. Yeah. You can follow me on krobin32 on Instagram. And then the clothes, I'll have links to it, but the clothes will be sold on Shop the Rowan, R-O-W-A-N, um, which is a woman-owned and sustainable um, clothing collective run Sarah's. by one of my best friends. Yeah. yeah. Sick. You're going to yeah. sell it on her site? Through her site? Yeah. She's going to help really me cool. with all the shipping because I'm in Japan. So Sick. That is really cool. I didn't know you were doing that. Yeah. So, um, and also Kelsey's a TikTok star, you guys. So go check out her TikTok. Um, I'm hopeless on TikTok. I don't get it. You're crushing it. <laughs> and I see dude, the women's team, like the women's national team does so used to do at least like so many like TikTok dances. Was that something you guys just all loved doing together? We have a lot of young girls who knew, knew the way. <laughs> She's like, yeah, we have a lot of young girls. Uh, it was you in those TikToks, was it not? I would just like drink and then be in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Well, I think <laughs> you were my inspiration to want to be a TikTok star. You're, you're an absolute TikTok star. Who knows? Maybe we'll live in a TikTok house one day with all the other TikTok stars who just make TikToks. Hype really house? <laughs> no. okay hey i love you thanks again so much thanks for being here too. thanks for having me absolutely
Allez, bon.